If this is your first time, welcome. My name is Hafa. I'm one of the elders here. Um, and we have been going through the book of Matthew since December. Um, and last week we got to Matthew 6, middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and we're, we're doing like a, a sub-series, if you will. We're kind of pinch-zooming in a little bit uh, on what Jesus is talking about when it comes to generosity. Um, so today we'll be talking about that. Uh, and typically, when we talk about generosity here at Resonate, um, there's usually some kind of capital campaign or something that um, we're raising funds for, but we don't have that this time. But what we do have is what I like to call a spiritual formation campaign, right? Because we exist to equip, we exist to give you resources, to give you um, the ability, capacity to see, to savor, and to love Christ. One of the things we do that, one of the things we value in doing that is we're word-centered. So when Jesus says things like you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and money, what does that mean? What does that look like? So um, with the potential possibility of being an awkward topic, a heavy one, a weighted one, one that may have feelings, um, I do pray that the Father will reveal himself to you by spirit through his Son. Um, And speaking of praying, let's pray to start our time together. Father in heaven, deliverer, healer, comforter, giver of all, we come before you this morning um, just waiting in anticipation for you to speak to us, for you to teach us, uh, and God, for you to transform us to become more and more like Christ. May I decrease and you increase in this time. And Lord, show us what generosity is, what it's like, what it's not. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Bless you. So when it comes to generosity, when it comes to giving, what are some verses um, that come to mind? Like what are some of the verses that you've heard, some, some phrases that come to mind when it comes to generosity? That's a really good one. Yeah, I appreciate that one. Um, someone actually said that in the first service too. Um, yeah. One that I, I go to, one that I uh, cling to, uh, especially around Christmas time and birthdays, um, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, a, a well-known verse um, in Acts 20, uh, a quote from uh, Jesus, uh, and is, is important when I teach uh, my little four-year-old, also important I teach myself this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And this verse has become well-known. It has become cited, especially when it uh, is celebrating the goodness and and the blessing of generosity, right? It is more blessed to give than to receive. But we're in this series of generosity, and we ask the question, and we beg the question, what does that mean? What does it mean to... Um, what does it mean for it to be more blessed to give and to receive? What does it mean to be generous? Right? What are some gospel implications um, for that? Is it really just about giving? And that we just give stuff away and we're good? But as we know, generosity is a little bit more complex and a little bit more nuanced than just simply, here's the percentage, God. It involves receiving and giving but not just any receiving and giving, receiving and giving in particular ways. And we'll walk through what that means and what that looks like. 
So when starting, about, when starting to talk about generosity, I think it's helpful to kind of look at the opposite. What is the opposite of generosity? Greed, right? We know greed, we keep things to ourselves, we uh, don't share with others and let alone give things away, right? We, we know what greed is. But again, greediness isn't just about giving. Greediness also affects our ability to receive. Uh, and to give you a picture of what I mean, uh, I'd like to, to reference uh, an epic poem uh, called Inferno, Dante's Inferno, as it's also known as. Uh, in Dante's Inferno, Inferno um, uh, Dante, the main character, talks about this sin, greed specifically, uh, and the way he talks about it shows us exactly what I mean, that greed um, corrupts both our receiving and our giving. Right. So for those of you who don't know Inferno, it's a poem that was written 700 years ago, but oh, how relevant. And it describes Dante's journey through hell. Uh, and it's described as like nine concentric circles, and each circle represents a different sin. And the deeper he goes in, the more um, severe the punishment. Um, interesting poem. Uh, but when Dante arrives in the fourth circle, right, uh, this, is, this is a circle of greed. He encounters two groups. He, one group, um, well, before I get to what the groups are, but the two groups, what they're doing is they're rolling these giant weights at each other and then like kind of rolling them back. And uh, it's an interesting picture, but the idea is that they're both greedy. Both greedy groups and how their greed plays out is a little bit different, right? So let me first read you a small section of that, and then we'll talk through what I mean. So this is from Dante's perspective. Here too, I saw a nation of lost souls. Far more than were above, they strained their chests against enormous weights and with mad howls, rolled them at one another. Then in haste, they rolled them back. One party shouting, why do you hoard? And the other, why do you waste? So on one side, we have the hoarders, the ones who gather and save, gather and save. And I actually learned an idiom recently that uh, I don't think the first service knew. Let's see if y'all knew. Have y'all heard, um, get what you can, can what you get, and sit on the can? No one has heard that? Okay. I have this weird fascination with English idioms, and they're like, they get sillier the more you learn them. Uh, but anyway, so the, it's, it's just about hoarding, right? Like just gathering, save, you gathering, save, you gathering, save. So that's one group in this fourth circle. And then the other group, we have the squanderers, right? The ones who just give their stuff for more luxury. Right? I need more luxury. And in both cases, um, they have a grip. Greed has a grip, excuse me. And greed manifests itself as ill-receiving and ill-giving. Receiving sinfully, giving sinfully, right? So in both cases, the greedy can't see reality right. But Dante realizes that even though on the outside it looks different, internally they're exactly the same, right? Because they're fixated on their possessions. They're fixated on the things that they have. Really easy to point out the stuff wrong with the other camp. Why do you hoard? Why do you waste? So you don't see reality rightly because of what you're fixated on, stuff. And it isn't just money, even though the main topic of a series we're talking about is money. It isn't just that. It is our skills, 
It is our talents. It is our time. It is our words. Just to name a few things. So, hopefully that gave you a picture of what it looks like to receive and give. So understanding the giving and receiving and how those things can be corrupted helps us appreciate the wisdom and the beauty of what generosity is. So what is it? Where does it start? And again, if you're teaching a four-year-old or a 35-year-old or an 80-year-old, surprisingly, generosity starts with receiving. And again, not just any kind of receiving. There's a difference between gratefully receiving and sinfully taking. Let's take the example uh, of the creation story. In the beginning, God created. He created the heavens and the earth. Personally, I've really enjoyed the creation story as told by Psalm 104. Uh, I won't read it to you in its entirety right now, but I would like to at least summarize it to you because it's, it's beautifully put. Right, so Psalm 104 is a hymn of praise. A praise for God, for his creating and sustaining power. The psalmist marvels at the majesty and creativity of God who fashioned the heavens and the earth and sustains them by his power. Uh, it begins by praising God for his greatness. Right? And, and it describes God as stretching the heavens out like a tent. He lays the foundations of the earth. He covers it with the waters of the seas. The psalmist goes on to describe the wonders of God's creations. The clouds, the winds, the, the cycle of day and night and sun and moon and the rhythm of that. And he sustains it all with his hands. The psalm goes on uh, to marvel at God's provision. Provision for his creatures, including plants and animals. And then he notes how God gives them food, he gives them water, and he sustains them by his hand. The psalmist then turns to us humans, who are also the beneficiaries of God's provisions. And he notes how God gives them food and drink, and he sustains them by his hand. So God gives, and God gives, and God gives, he sustains, and he gives until humanity takes. Genesis 3.6 describes it like this when talking about Adam and Eve in the fall. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the tree that they were not allowed to eat from, and that it was a delight to the eyes, fixated, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate. So sin has a way of distorting our vision. It distorts our vision and makes us believe that our own needs, our own desires, are the most important things in this world. We fail to receive God's gifts with gratitude. We're entitled. We feel entitled to them. So we take. That's desirable. I take. And we rob God of his glory, we rob God as, um, as a giver. So when we fast forward to the New Testament and Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth, he says this to the Corinthians, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? 
a rhetorical question, obviously, because we know that we received everything. And so if you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Everything we have is given. It's given by our generous God. And it's kept and sustained by his hand. So therefore, the first step toward Christian generosity is to receive what God has given to us with deep gratitude and appreciation. That's step one. And while it is important to gratefully receive, that's not enough. It's not enough because receiving well can easily lead to sinfully keeping and sinfully wasting, ill-keeping and ill-giving. So we kind of just look at the, the difference we didn't kind of, we did. We looked at the difference between receiving and taking. So let's take a look at the difference between sharing and wasting. James, in the New Testament, he warns us about that. He warns us about the dangers of asking God for stuff, for blessings, with the wrong motives. He says this in James 4. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So desiring wealth in order for us to selfishly spend it on our own desires is wasteful. Right? As Christine just said, God loves a cheerful giver, not an indulgent squanderer. Anything we have is a gift from God. And anything we have that is a gift from God is for his sake, for his mission. He's doing something. We just heard uh, from the Kellys of what he's, he's doing and what we can step into and what he's doing in this present age for the age to come. So God loves a cheerful giver, not an indulgent squanderer. He gives to us that we might give to others. We have, we have been blessed to be a blessing. We receive in order to give. I would like for us to turn to 1 Timothy Chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Uh, while this may be up on the screen, um, I just encourage you to, to open it up with me because um, we, we'll come back to it. But this is, this is one where um, I feel like it kind of encapsulates the, the receiving, the giving, and then the... the well, I don't want to give the end away. We'll see you here in a second. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17, 17 through 19 says this. As for the rich in this present age, which if you remember the statistics that Chris gave last week, that's us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So God richly provides us with everything, right? So it says, who richly provides us with everything uh, for four purposes, four reasons. And number one is to enjoy. It is good for us to gratefully receive what God supplies and to enjoy it 
for his sake and for his mission. He also richly provides so that we might do good. Verse 18. Verse 18 also says that he richly provides so that we would be rich in good works. And it also says, the fourth point, he provides so that we would be generous and ready to share. To enjoy, to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. So what does that look like? What is a a good picture? Well, I think the parable of uh, the Good Samaritan gives us exactly what Timothy, or this letter to Timothy is talking about. The Good Samaritan was commended that he stopped on the road and he helped the wounded man uh, who was on the road. Right? Other folks walked right by. Samaritan stopped. He had some oil to give, some wine to give. He had a donkey that the wounded man could ride on. He had money to pay for the guy's stay at the inn. And not just his stay, but also his care. Um, this is out of Luke 10, by the way. I'll tell you what Jesus did not say about the Good Samaritan. He did not say, can you believe this guy? He had, why do he have a donkey? Why do he have wine and oil? Why did he have money? I said that you're supposed to give everything away. Y'all heard me say that, right? I said, give everything away. Sell all your possessions. What is he doing? Jesus didn't say that. That's not the point. The point of the Good Samaritan, the, the point of this First Timothy 6 passage is this. Do you love the person in front of you at a cost to yourself? Do you love the person in front of you at a cost to yourself? It leads us to shift our thinking from how much can I give away? How much can I keep and how much do I give away? What's that percentage that I can sort of say that I'm doing good? It leads us away from that. And allows us to ask the question, do I love the people who are in front of me? Do I love the people that I deal with and that I am aware of as I ought to with my resources? Do I love the people that I deal with and that I'm aware of with my resources as I ought to? It changes our perspective. It changes the question we ask ourselves. It changes our grip on our things. God richly provides with everything to enjoy, to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. And it's that readiness, I think, that is crucial. Readiness to share because it challenges our greedy hearts. When we have good things, when we have stuff, when we have money, our eyes are our eyes only focused on them? Are we like the hoarders and the squanderers? Do we forget about everything else? Have we become like the greedy who are so fixated on earthly possessions? Or are we looking around for ways to share what we have? Is there readiness to share? Is there readiness to give And that readiness and that willingness to share could look like several different things. One of the ways that um, we would like to challenge this church, this community uh, in the series um, is is to commit to that giving. 
We want to equip you. We want, to, we want you to see more of Christ. We want you to um, see the beauty in, the genero- in generosity. Uh, and so uh, Chris mentioned this last week. He, he's, he began the challenge, uh, and I want to continue that. So there are these little cards in the seat bag in front of you, uh, if you haven't gotten one. Um, but it's a challenge, a challenge to our giving, um, our challenge to, to think about prayerfully in ways to increase. Um, I know I just mentioned that percentages aren't something to think through, but it is helpful. Uh, it is a means to an end, not an end to itself. Uh, so I challenge you to, to pick this up, to, to pray through what that looks like to increase giving. It could also mean sharing your time. Right, we have, uh, as an example, Resonate Kids as a buddy system. This could be an opportunity to um, teach and share with your young ones, to be a buddy, to share the time, to share um, of themselves. It could be a time to share your home and be hospitable. Whatever way that looks like. To, to host, to start a life group. To share your skills and talents. And we looked at this last summer when we uh, walked through Ephesians. Um, Because grace has been given to each of us. Each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So we have talents. We have skills. We have spiritual gifts. Maybe it's a readiness to share those gifts um, with your family here. So generosity begins with grateful receiving. And then moves to a readiness to give. We receive in order to give. But it doesn't end there. Right? This is the ending I didn't want to spoil earlier. Because generosity doesn't just end in giving. Generosity ends in the good we receive from God in the giving of our goods. I'll, I'll read that and I'll say it again because I want to make sure I get all the words specifically right. Because it cha- again, it changes and it challenges our greedy hearts. Because generosity ends in the good we receive from God in the giving of our goods. We can't lose sight that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Receiving is the blessing, yes. But receiving and then giving is a greater blessing. So what is that blessing? What is that greater blessing? We kind of touched on it a little bit last week when uh, Chris read Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. I'll read it again just for our context here. It says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So evidently, there's two ways to live. Lay up, your, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You can live to accumulate valuable things on earth, or you can live to accumulate valuable things in heaven. And Jesus, Jesus is constantly saying the same thing, but in a couple different ways. Um, he says that the mark of a Christian, the mark of us who are Christian, are that our eyes are on heaven and that we measure all that we do, that we measure our behavior by the effect that it has on heaven. 
right? That's, that's the mark. We, we focus on the things that are eternal. We look not to the things that are seen. Those things are transient. But we look to what's unseen. Our everlasting joy with God. So Jesus says this, this same piece that we just read in Matthew 6. He says it again in Luke 12. And he says it differently. And I think he actually kind of explains a little bit more of what he means by that. So Luke 12, verses 32 to 34 says this. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so here, Jesus explains how to do it. Um, allow me to translate for Jesus, which is quite a lofty thing in and of itself. Um, so what does it mean to lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven? Well, I think, he explains it here, is sell your possessions and give to the needy. That's how you do it. So in other words, possessions on earth are not for hoarding, are not for wasting. They're for giving. And giving in ways that Christ is honored, and our joy in heaven is increased. When we give, we show that Christ is our treasure and that we love others way more than we love our own security, than we love our own comforts, than we love our own certainty. So Randy Alcorn, he has a little book called The Treasure Principle. It's a really nice read, really short um, but he has, a, he has a line in there that makes you think, right? Um, and I never thought about it this way. Maybe you have. He's smarter than me. He says this, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this, the illusion that earth is our home. Boy, if that doesn't make you think. Because it's not our home. Earth is not our home. Christ is our home. And therefore, as Paul says in the book of Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it will be all the more gain as we learn to lay up treasures in heaven by giving. That's why we give. So 1 Timothy 6, hopefully still there, have your thumb or finger or something. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 um, ends like this. I read the whole thing. As for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Christian generosity isn't simply giving. And it isn't simply just receiving in order to give. It's gratefully receiving in order to generously give, in order to gladly receive more in the future. Our hope ultimately is on God, not on our wealth. 
What we take hold of is not the fleeting pleasures of this life and of this world, but the eternal pleasures, the eternal pleasures of the life to come. Truly life. And when we are taking hold of true life, we loosen our hold on the goods of this life. This is Christian generosity. This is what it looks like. And one thing I want to be explicit about is, um, is the gospel piece. Because we come to this table every week because of the greatest act of generosity. God gives. God gives. He sustains and he gives. And he gives of his son. He gives of his all. Um, you don't have to turn there, but I would like to read Second um, Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 9. Where Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's what we have received. We have received right standing with our God. We have received adoption into the royal family. We have received freedom and joy in Christ. And that's where our focus is. That's where our eyes are in heaven. And that's where and how we come to this table to remember the greatest act of generosity that God gave his son, gave his all, that we may have life, that we may have breath, 